You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back, everybody, to the Oz Network as we continue once again with our third watch coverage, our exclusive coverage of third watch as we move into the penultimate episode of season three. We are one week away from basically being exactly halfway through our third watch recap. It's hard to believe that. We are into the 21st episode of Season 3. This one is called 233 Days. This one was aired on the 6th of May, 2002. It was written by one of our showrunners, Mr. John Wells, and directed by Miss Brooke Kennedy. And uh, what an episode this is. A lot to talk about, a lot to get to. And I will start off by saying, my name is Ben, and I don't want another man. I just want you. (laughs) Hey guys, what's up? My name's Darville, and you know, I'll never get used to it. I used to say they were butt ugly. Now I miss them. That's what people say about me. Um, <laughs> when I leave, they're like, ah, oh, he used to be butt ugly, but now I miss him now. Um, anyway, that was a bad joke, clearly fell fat. Um, how are you, Darvell? Good? This is a, this is obviously a good episode. I mean, it's, it's kind of our conclusionary episode for a lot of the 9-11 stuff, I feel. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a powerful episode. I think that's kind of the words to, to say here. Yes, it's, um, and I, I think I had said, I think I had asked this, you know, last week or a few weeks ago, I wonder if this episode actually aired exactly 233 days after 9-11. I can tell you, no, it didn't. I've just gone to uh, timeanddate.com, uh, and they, they've they got a little calculator on there where you can calculate the days in between dates. Um, mm-hmm. And according to this, so this episode, as I said, aired on the 6th of May, 2002. Uh, so between mm-hmm. the 6th of May, 2002 and September 11, 2001, there was actually 237 days. So they were four days off. Ah, uh, <laughs> man. Uh, but I mean, if we, it's got here, include end date in calculation. So if we do that, it's actually 238 days. So it's longer. Um, so, I mean, that's close enough. I mean, th- there could have been a thing where maybe they thought they were going to air on a different day or maybe they just did the math wrong or, you know, I don't know. But I mean, that's, it's still kind of cool that that's pretty close for them to sort it of is. have that, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's fascinating to kind of think that they kind of do that. Because, yeah, I, I sort of wondered a little bit about that too. Uh, and I guess maybe the difference is that people probably just automatically assume. Because, I mean, you know, everyone back then is going to be in a, in a headspace where they don't really want to think about it, if you know what I mean. So, um, yeah. So, to many people, they're just going to, you know, automatically assume it is. And unless you've got the absolute geeks of the world who are getting out the calculators, go, hang on a minute, that doesn't sound right. It's 237 days. That's incorrect. Um so this isn't going to be a third watch plot hole that we'll point out. I just, I mean, that's very close. <laughs> it's not like this was 317 days afterwards and something like that. But even then, you can make an excuse for it. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously, we've we've often said that season three is pretty much all about September 11 in many aspects. Um, so you know, the fact that kind of we've got here this happening, I think it's you know it's important to sort of you know have this around uh, everything that happens in this season. So. Um, I mean, even just to start yeah. here, even just to start here, I mean, we can kind of sort of lump this all together because we get this great opening montage, this great sort of slow, sad piano music and, um... The 9-11 theme. Yeah, the 9 what we called it? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, kind of like this, not, yeah, this, uh, exactly. Uh, so, I mean, really kind of what we're seeing here is, uh, you know... Uh, we've got a, a kind of an interesting sort of police chase going on. There's like a fight at a wedding or something like that happening going on. Uh, we've got uh, Jimmy working on some sort of uh, thing in his workshop, which we'll obviously see right at the end. We kind of see this, uh, you know, Taylor 
Uh, she's got some coffee and she's getting, uh, you know, involved in sort of some firework here as they get called out. But, uh, of course, the main thing here really is um, we see the pile, which, look, I don't know if this is actually the 9-11 pile. I'm going to say it kind of doesn't look like it based on what I remember the news footage. Uh, and I, I don't know if they would have let them, like a fictional show, go in there this soon to to film sort of in the pile, if you know what I mean. But, I mean, it looks very much like what you would expect it to. Um and kind of just this great sort of scene where they find a, a firefighter's jacket and then they sort of, you know, carry it off. They get a flag, an American flag, sort of cover up the body and then stretcher it out. So it's a very powerful scene to kind of just see them. Obviously, what they would have done, no doubt, when they found bodies um, in the pile, sort of as they're going through the rubble. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all kind of, you know, form a guarded honour. They uh, they salute as uh, this body gets carried away. And then kind of back to the scene where we see Taylor at, we see uh, Lieutenant Johnson on the phone. Uh, goes up to Taylor. They think they found your father, and we obviously go to the credits. So, I mean, it's kind of it's it's a very unique opening of Third Watch. I don't know if we will ever get uh, another intro quite like this. I mean, I'm not sort of saying you stock standard montage of Nickelback no, or things like will. that, but I'm talking silent montage here in many aspects, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and I don't think we will actually. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty I'm pretty certain this is the only one, but I mean, it works, doesn't it? Like, it's a very effective way of opening yeah. this. Yeah. I don't know if you have anything else to add, really, on this. <laughs> no, other than I was, I was glad to, I was glad to see this. Uh, I don't know if resolution is the is the right word, but it's the best word I can think of. It's what I find fascinating about this episode. and I don't want to take away from this episode, but we we sort of get such a big deal out of a character that we never meet. Like I know it's Taylor's dad, and obviously this serves as kind of. It's it's kind of the parallel episode to our cop funeral episode last season, isn't it? Where we sort of this is yeah. this is the opposite. This is the firefighters one, uh, and I'm not I'm not in no way going to take away from any of the, the the nature of how powerful this episode is. Kind of with that scene and like the church at the end, and just the great speech we get at the end as well. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of it's it's interesting to sort of think the parallel with this one. That kind of what we got that was a hero's rest, wasn't it last season? Um, yes. So. Yeah, I, and I think kind of it ties in well with sort of the September 11 stuff. But, I mean, I guess there's not a whole lot really they could have done. It's it's not like one of our main characters went missing in uh, in 9-11. You know what would have been interesting is, um, and obviously this would have been impossible to do because no one planned for 9-11 to happen. Um, so it's kind of like you couldn't really do this unless Bobby Cannavale said, right. write me out early on in season three. It would have been interesting if he had maybe stuck around and said, hey, write me out early on. Uh, then they could have maybe just written into it that Bobby went missing in, in 9-11, if you know what I mean. Like, and that could have tied him wow. well. I mean, that's a different, whole different kettle of fish. There's no way that you can sort of uh, wait around for that. But, I mean, if you look on the grand t- the timeline of things, I mean, he kind of left, what, like six, seven episodes before the whole 9-11 storyline. But again, you've got to also look at the yeah. time period. It's, it's impossible to, to kind of predict that, if you know what I mean. Yeah, but now now I'm just picturing that, you know, him staying on there long enough and him being the one who goes missing on 9/11. Mm. Man. Well, you think you think about like um uh like obviously now Amy Carson if you like Blue Bloods, they killed her character off on Blue Bloods off-screen in the middle of two seasons. 
So yeah. um, they could have easily... And made, I do like Blue Bloods. Yeah. So, like, if they had a... Say, just hypothetically, let's imagine that Bobby Cannavale survived the end of season two. Bobby survived. And then he kind of says to, like, you know, John Wells and everyone, like, yeah, this isn't for me anymore. Write me off. I don't want to be involved in this show anymore. But this kind of would have been the perfect timing for that because it would have been a perfect explanation as to where he went. Um and I don't think many other people would have kind of argued too much against it. Whereas, like, you know, you look at, uh, what was her name, Linda Reagan, like her death off screen in Blue Bloods was kind of dumb. <laughs> Just the way they sort of killed her off, considering yeah. that at the end of that season, their house burnt down. <laughs> yeah, that would have been more, that would have been more believable. Yeah, I think they should have done something with that, like have her die in the house fire at the end of the season and leave it on a cliffhanger whether she survives or not, not just randomly come back into the new season. Oh, FYI, she died in a helicopter crash, uh, which is just kind of dumb. Um, but anyway, that's... Yeah, and they aren't, they aren't really exploring how... Lately, you know, they haven't really been exploring how her... How... 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 The re- Danny. How the rest of her family is dealing with that. Yeah. You know, Danny and yeah, I agree Jack and Sean. They haven't really been exploring that. I agree, agree completely. And I know we're kind of dating when we're recording this episode because by the time you're listening to this episode, clearly you would have finished that season and we would have known how it plays out. But that was their excuse, wasn't it? Like, we wanted to kind of have this different side of Danny. But we've only really had, like, one or two episodes of him grieving. The rest is just back to normal Danny. And I, I completely agree with you. I think this season that I'm watching, I mean, I still watch Blue Bloods. I enjoy it. But it's just, I think the season's gone terribly so far, just in terms of how they've done it. Um, so, yeah. that's the problem with Blue Bloods. Blue Bloods is a very repetitive show. Blue Bloods doesn't change. There's no real kind of ongoing story arcs on Blue Bloods, is there? And it's kind of, you know... Not really. As much as, like, I like to kind of connect it in a third watch world because it's got so many similarities. There's so many actors in it that were in third watch and just kind of, you know, a lot of storylines that have been done. It's um, it's very networky TV. It's very not edgy. It's not... It's just basic cop show. Um which I will even say, as much as I bag shit out of season six of Third Watch as kind of turning into a cop show, at least they kind of went for some different storylines that kind of stretch out over a little bit. So, um, and you feel it was tied more interconnected into sort of this ongoing arc of the season rather than just, oh, let's get a criminal. Oh, they've been arrested. Oh, let's move on to the next one next week. So, I mean, there is yeah, well, a bit of that in season six, who, but yeah. Yeah, if you consider who... The target audience for Blue Bloods is though true. I don't. I don't really see. I don't really see them. Hold, I don't really see them holding on to something that's more serialized. You know, they yeah. they would want to see. They would want to see the the perp of the week arrested and. And I guess that's why that's it's lasted like, so long. Because I also think that like network TV is obviously a lot different today than it was when Third Watch was around. Whereas you know you're going to get a lot more of these serialized shows that are kind of connected more so rather than now, where people kind of watch you know Netflix and cable for that style of show. And network TV is kind of your escapist once a week sort of show where people are just used to it. So um, yeah, you don't really get your edgy kind of out their shows on network television anymore because that's kind of not the domain of network TV. It's kind of reality and yep. your stock standard cliche shows. So, um... Yep, although, although in in fairness, I do sometimes think that the networks are trying to bring that back because they know that's where the money is, so to speak. Yeah, no, and isn't, um... I've never watched it, but I think you watched This Is Us. Isn't that a, a network show? I love This Is Us. Is that a network show or a yes. cable show? It's a network show. Okay. It's an NBC show, actually. Oh, interesting. There you go. Um, yeah. So, and I hear that's got great things going for it, but um, 
Yeah, I've not, it's not one I've actually uh, managed to watch yet. Anyway, um, so we kind of get after the credits. Taylor uh, shows up in a cab, and we meet her mum for the first time. I like Taylor's mum. She'll be an ongoing yeah. person. Not like as much as, say, Bosco's mum or some of the other mums in this show. But, um, yeah, she, we'll see her a few times. And she's um, trying to find her name here. Veronica Hamill. Um, she's... Uh, been in lots of things. I believe she was in an episode of Lost that we covered recently as well. Uh, if I'm not mistaken. Is she not Jack's mum in Lost, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, yes, yeah, she is. So, uh, she's Taylor's mum in Third Watch and Jack's mum in Lost. Um, and according to IMDb, her last acting role actually was Lost. So, um, there you go. Uh, but yeah, I, I like okay. Veronica Hamill. Have you seen her in anything else? Not from memory. Not from memory? She's uh, she'll be in three episodes of Third Watch, so she'll be in this yeah, one. This one, Price of Nobility, I'm and my sure opening she... farewell. Oh, I swore she was in Crash and Burn, also. Well, she is. She's not credited, uh, so uh, that's just the list I've got in front of me. So, yeah, I, I like her. She, she's a very motherly figure. I feel Veronica Hamill. I mean, that's probably what she's typecast is, is why she's Jack's mum in Lost and uh, you know Taylor's mum in Third Watch. But, um, yeah, obviously, uh, she, Taylor shows up to inform her that, uh, you know, they found dad and, um, yeah, they, uh, and obviously she's like, are are you sure? Um, we kind of then get, uh, Sully, uh, he's in his apartment, he's, uh, making coffee and he goes through some of Tatiana's clothes and bags and, uh, she obviously catches him and, oh, what are you doing? Like, oh, I couldn't find my keys and they're in the dish and... If you want to ask me something, just ask. And uh, he sort of questions her again, you know, like, oh, where have you been for two months? Um, and then kind of, you know, Sully, just great acting here by Skip Sardis. Like, you know, you don't trust me. I'm your husband. Uh, you know, who's your cousin? Was it a man or a woman? And she's just like, are you jealous? Um, and then we kind of find out that her cousin is called Nadia, uh, that Sergey is uh, safe, that uh, she, he won't, she won't tell him where she is. And this is where, obviously, she says, I don't want another man, I just want you. Aw, Tatiana. But, I mean, you've got to understand Sully here, surely. Like, I mean, she's been gone for two months. Oh, yeah. and what has what what she said? Oh, I was with my cousin, cousin for two months. You're like, come on, you're married. You've got to trust her a bit more. Yeah, man. Yeah. Sully, Sully, Sully. Uh, so, anyway, uh, we, we have um, Taylor <laughs> coming in. Where are we? Oh, so she she rocks up to work. She's looking all cool in a leather... Not a leather jacket, it's like a denim jacket, isn't it? She's got her glasses on. Um, and then she asks... Uh, they're all basically saying to her, like, you don't have to work, you don't have to work. Uh, but she sort of says, oh, you know, I want to work. Can I get Nothing. on the squad today? So, she, she wants back... Even- this, we finally get to see her back on the squad. Yep, and you know, I would have said the same. I would have said the same thing if I were Lou or if I were Doc. Like Alex, what are you doing here? Mm. It's interesting because um, I remember when I was at the newspaper here in Hobart. We like there was this really bad string of luck for a couple of months. Um, sort of when I just started, where like a bunch of people who worked there like lost a parent. Like you know, just it just seemed to happen every couple of weeks. That there's about four or five staff members who lost a parent. Um, so a lot of people with time off and everything like that sort of stuff. And I mean, it, it's, it's a weird thing kind of like to, to kind of have to, when people come back and, you know, cause like it's, it's sort of tailor gets in. I mean, I obviously lost my mum recently too. So it's kind of that weird thing where people are obviously saying to you constantly, are you okay? How are you doing? And 
like, I'm definitely with Taylor this episode because you really do get to a point where you're like, I wish people would stop asking me that. Like, I know people are being nice and I understand it because we've all been on, you know, most of us been on both sides, but we've all kind of been on that side where we, I guess, know someone who's lost someone and we're asking them, like, are you okay? Because that's just human nature to check in on people. But it, it kind of really is yeah. one of these things. If you actually analyze what you're asking a person, it's kind of like a really pointless thing to ask a person. You know, so it's 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 a weird How so? Well, I mean, what do you expect them to answer? Like, are you okay? No, well, of course they're not okay. Like, but I mean, what what do you expect them to say? Like, I know there's types of people that will be like, no, I'm not okay, and break down, and will do that to every person they meet. But for the most part, people are trying to be strong and just trying to like get on with things. If you know what I mean, like it. It kind of... I feel you have people you confide in if, to talk about that sort of stuff. And, yes, people are just being polite. Um, yeah. But it, it's, it's still kind of... It's, an, it's I don't know. It's like, you know, when, like, um, we all have acquaintances that we're maybe not super close with, but we know them. Um, and then you've got that sort of thing where you find out, like, oh, how are you doing? I'm, oh, I haven't been too good lately. Oh, if you need someone to talk to, I'm always here. Like, that's a genuine offer for assistance. But for the most part, people, like, you don't take that offer up, if you know what I mean. Because, like, you know, yeah. people are just being polite. I'm sure they mean it. But, like, you're not going to just open your soul. Like, if right now, you know, you said to me, like, oh, I'm not feeling good. And I said, oh, it's, I hope you're okay. I'm here if you want to talk. I legitimately would mean that, Darvell. But you don't know me enough to probably break down and open up to me as you would to, say, your girlfriend or your best friend or something like that. Like, if, it's kind of that weird sort of human nature thing that we offer but, I mean, there are some people who do open up to everyone, believe me. <laughs> like, there are people who will just go up to a random stranger on the street and tell their entire life story, and good for them. If that's what they want to do, that's what they want to do. But most of us, I guess, don't do that. I don't know where I'm going yeah. with this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Ben's going yeah, on a rant well, again. <laughs> hey, that's nothing new. That is nothing new. It's not even a rant. Hey, I'm just, be, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Continue, W. I'm would, would it be the Would it be the Oz Network if you didn't? Right. Good call. Good call. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, but it, it is. I don't know. It's just I. I found in that situation when just people would constantly say to you, "Are you okay?" It's it's a weird thing because like I don't want to be rude and be like, well, fuck off. Like, no, I'm not okay. Stop asking me that. Like, I'm not going to be that guy. But it's also a case of, yeah. you know, if there's anything I can do for you, well, can you bring my mum back? No, I can't. Like, hey, well, then you can't do anything for me. Thanks. Bye-bye. Like, it's just kind of, you know, like, I, it's, yeah, I'm a sarcastic asshole sometimes and I'm not going to say that to people, but I'm thinking it. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> I'll say that to some people, but like, people I know well who understand me that I'm going to say that to them. Anyway, Ben's got to stop going on his rant. Can I just point out that um, this episode is the last episode we will see Joe. I think I mentioned that a couple of uh, episodes ago, so we will have to eulogize yep. or memorialize Joe at some point in this episode as yep. well. Lombardo. Lombardo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, anyway, we've got Yokus and Bosco. I love this scene. <laughs> I just say, I always forget about this scene. And this is like going back to season two and, you know, even moments of season one, where we've just got classic random Bosco and Yokus just doing random Bosco and Yokus. Like, this is, this is, you know, take me back to food now, like things like that. Or like, <laughs> Bosco, get in the car. No, classic. get in the car. Don't make me. <laughs> like next scene, he's in the car. 
<laughs> they're just kind of having random conversation. Uh, you know, they're mentioning about like, oh yeah, they found uh, Taylor's dad. I'm like, oh Alex Taylor, yeah, the paramedic. Oh, the one that Dave was seeing. Yeah, you know, I like kind of random conversation. They're not necessarily talking to Taylor, mm-hmm. but they're talking about other people. Um, and then just like Bosco is just chilling there eating his food. Yoke is eating her food. She kind of looks in the bag in between them, and she looks at the Bosco. You ate all the fries. It's like, oh, I thought you were, I thought you were dieting. I'm eating a cheeseburger. It's like, you ate for all the fries. Both bags? Both bags? <laughs> it's like, it's okay. I That's only wanted... something I would do. Yeah, yeah. But I love it. He's like, I only wanted a couple. So then he pulls out, like, the couple from the bottom of the bag. Here you go. It's like, I don't want these ones. They're cold. They've been on the bottom of the bag. So funny. I don't like this is just random fun scenes. Like we won't get to see this anymore really from this point on. Like we do, but like not to this extent. Right. And this is just why I love this show because it just it feels so natural. You this is what they would be doing cops if they're just chilling in a car having their lunch, just waiting around having random conversation. Like this is legitimately it feels so natural. You don't see this on Blue Bloods. It's always just like, "Oh, will Jamie and what's her name, Chenko or whatever her name is, Jenny, Eddie. Eddie, will they get together? Oh, will they won't they?" You know what I mean? Like you don't need that all the time in a cop show. This is what like also no. Southland does so well as well like it's kind of got that just natural ability to feel real and i mean i'm not a cop you're not a cop we don't necessarily know how real it is to be a cop on these shows but i mean it just it feels so natural it doesn't feel like we're watching a tv show right now if you know what i mean yeah yeah then the the thing with the fries like i said that's something that's something i would do too yeah (laughs) yeah, if you if you didn't say right away that you wanted some fries yeah, I probably would have eaten them all. Well, it's, it's like if they've bought it, if they've gone in together. Like, I mean, I've had constantly had things like that where you'll go out for meal and like, because it's kind of the trend now. And I, I think it's, it's mainly an Australian thing. I've, I've come across it a few times in America, but for the most part, everywhere you go in America, if you get a burger, you're going to get fries with it. Um, but yeah, in Australia, we have these like trendy upmarket burger joints where you've got to pay for fries separately. Like, it's just, it's bullshit. Um, but like, I've been to places where say, um, you will order a burger, but you kind of got to get the fries. That's kind of the thing, isn't it? You've got to get fries with a burger. Like, come on. Uh, it's like having pasta without sauce. Like, what's the point in that? Uh, it's like watching porn without sound. What's the point in that? Um, that's another kettle. A friend told me that. Um, but so like you, right. <laughs> you will go in there and like, you'll get a burger, but you'll be with someone and then you want the fries, but they don't. And like, no, no, I don't want fries. I'm like, dude, I'm not going to eat a whole bag of fries for myself. No, no, I don't want it. It's like, well, go halves with me. No, 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 no. I'll just have a couple of yours. It's like, well, why do I have to pay for them? Like, you're just being cheap. So I'm just wondering if Bosco's, like, bought the fries and just, you know, he's eating them because they're his, or they've gone into this together, if you know what I mean. So, um, yeah. It's just oh, so man, burgers and fries. So delicious. Oh, I hate being on a diet. I want burger and fries right now. Oh, I haven't had burger and fries in a while, actually. Oh, no, actually, tell a lie. Did I? No, I haven't. Anyway. Just stop talking about food. Um, but anyway, so we, we see them. They're looking along here. And the one thing I'll say about this episode that I don't like is just kind of this random storyline. And I, I don't know. You'll probably disagree with this. Because, I mean, again, this is kind of one of those once a week episodes where you're going to get something like this. But I feel this could have been an episode where they could have brought someone back from the past that we already know. Um, that they're out already, if you know what I mean. Like, bring back somebody who's done something previously. And, like, what the fuck are they doing? Like, we don't know who this Frisker is. Like, I mean, it's kind of... No. Like, I get no. it. Like, who, who could they have brought back, though? I don't know. Um, mm, let's see. 
Go go through the uh, Rolodex of the brain there, Darvel. You're better with remembering, remembering, you know. Hmm, who could they have brought back? What about the... What about the guy who was... What about the guy from season one? I don't know why I thought of him all, all of a sudden. The guy from season one who was dressed up as a clown mm. and peeking in yes. and peeking in ladies' windows. Oh, yes, but, like, absolutely, because I love that man. He was awesome. He was kind of like an ongoing thing for, like, the first, what, three or four episodes. I mean, the difference with him is that he didn't really commit any major crimes, but, like... I don't know. It could have escalated. It could have. Maybe bring back, like, the guys that Bosco robbed or something like that, you know, like, who then held up that yeah. store or, um, gosh, uh, Kenny, you talked about him, I think, what, last week, the uh, the the drug dealing guy in the wheelchair. Um, oh, yeah. Will I Arnett. his name. Yeah. Uh, well, the actor was Will Arnett. I, uh, Kenny, I think. Was it Kenny? Was it? That's, oh, that just popped into my head. Um, but, like, yeah, we, I mean, there's so many potential. I mean, it's it's not... I'm not going to go out of my way and say this is a terrible storyline. I mean, I think it works as a storyline. I just think that this would have been a nice opportunity for them to have done this. It's still, like, it's a decent storyline. I just think it's kind of... It feels the most out of place in this one because we don't really, you know, kind of get we too attached to this We don't know this Frisker guy. guy. Yeah, I mean, it's like, well, bring back the, um, the, the robber guy who blew the bag in Bosco's face from a couple of episodes ago. The, the bank robber. There's a, there's potential. I guess, I mean, I, I kind of get it in a way though, like, I'm just contradicting myself now. Cause I mean, obviously this guy is, is a, is an asshole. He's tied up grannies and raped them, but he's gotten out in a technicality. So they're going to keep an eye on him, but it's kind of like, would this guy really offend, like, so quickly afterwards? Like, I mean, uh, maybe you hear about criminals who kind of get out of prison and do it straight away because they like prison life as opposed to, you know, outside life, excuse me. Um, I don't know. I just, I think it's a bit, like, this could have been maybe a multi-story arc, whereas, like, this guy, like, he's out on jail on a technicality and within, like, two days he's going off to rape someone again. Like, really? Is he that dumb? Some of them are. True, true. I don't know. But anyway, so um, they, they're eating their fries and they see this guy, Frisker, and uh, they basically go up to him and just kind of like, you know, what are you doing out? What are you doing out? You know, they think he's escaped and we find out that he's, uh, yeah, he's won his appeal. He's free. So, and he, he does look like a creep, doesn't he? He does look like someone who, you know, would uh, would do that. I'm looking at the actors called Matthew Beisner. Uh, and no offence to you, Matthew Beisner, I just think the makeup and the sort of the look they gave you, you really do kind of look like a, somebody who would do things like that. <laughs> uh, which- I've always been curious as to, you know, people saying that someone looks like, someone looks like a creep, someone looks like a murderer. I mean, how does one look like, like that? I mean, I guess you just you kind of have a picture in your mind of what a creepy person looks like. Like, if you think of, right now, think of murder in your head, you would form an image. Uh, if you think of pedophile yeah. in your head, you form an image. If you think of a rapist, you form an image. It's kind of like when, you know, you'll get someone committing crimes. Like, I think it was, what, famously when Ted Bundy got caught. It was like, well, no one would have suspected him. He was a, you know, a, a young, attractive man who, like, had it all going for him, successful. Like, why would he be a serial killer? It's kind of... And you see on the news, like, oh... I never suspected a thing. He was just such a nice, normal man. Like it's kind of, I always want to see. He was all. He was. Re- he was very quiet. Yeah, exactly. I always want to see one of these. Knows on- it's the quiet ones you gotta watch. I always want to see a news report of like, yeah, I always thought he was a child rapist. <laughs> like you're never gonna see that. Like they'll never air that. It's kind of like when people like, 
you know when there's like a, a some sort of like tragic event and you know people are like killed or whatever, and you always get people in the news like, oh Darvell, oh it's such a shame. He was such a nice guy. Everybody loved him. Like oh, it's just you know he would have given his all for everyone, and just this is such a tragic. I want to see someone. This will be me when I get murdered. Somebody's gonna be like oh fuck, he was an asshole. I'm really glad he got killed. Like, Jesus Christ, everyone hated him. Such a, you know, service to the world that he's dead. <laughs> <Get you. laughs> wow. You never see that, do you? <laughs> no, you don't. And I hope it doesn't start. I hope it doesn't start then. <laughs> uh, I'm just looking at uh, Matthew Beisner. Um, he's only got uh, six acting credits, according to IMDb. He's played uh, Sexy Waiter in Sex in the City. Uh, he was commercial director on Kate and Leopold, a new ager on Off the Lip. He was a Romulan crew member on Star Trek. And in the TV series Drone, he was Black Ops Soldier number three. So he's... There was a TV show called Drone? Apparently there I was. Um, the esteemed TV show Drone. Uh, <laughs> I'm just looking here. Uh, oh, Kenneth Cho was in it. He's the only one I've kind of heard of. Um, no one else in this show I've ever heard of in my life. So, there you go. Um, we're learning a lot. Apparently, it's still going. What? TV series 2012 onwards. Uh, I don't know. I think this might be some sort of web thing that didn't pick up. It sounds like a cable show. Yeah. It's, it's a kind of a, it's a weird thing there. Uh, so anyway, they've got Frisco. Anyway, Davis is back. Uh, did you know that? Davis is back. We just kind of... Yeah. Welcome back, Davis. This is just not a thing. This isn't like Jimmy when, like, you know, Jimmy, is he ready for duty? Like, you know, it's it's not going to be like uh, with some of the other major characters, like in a couple of seasons when they get hurt and it's a big deal when they get brought back. No, nah, Davis is just back. Uh, I'm is this something saying for Davis? Because, like, that's a bit random. Like, where's the whole struggle for Davis to get back? Um, anyway, so they're in the car with Sally and um, Sally's got a book of matches for the Golden Stallion, a gentleman club in Brooklyn. Kind of like Davis here is like, oh, you're holding out on me. We're going to go here, are we? And uh, Sally found this in Tatiana's coat. So it's like, well, what's she doing with a book of matches from a, from a strip club? So uh, that's kind of setting some stuff up. We've got Taylor and Kim here uh, mm-hmm. talking about the service uh, for her father. Um, same uh, church where their parents got married. And she's obviously mentioning here that, uh, you know, she thought it would be a relief. She thought she would get closure, but she doesn't really. Uh, she was cried out months ago, and uh, he was found in the lobby of the South Tower uh, at a, a station point there. So um, I like kind of that we get that sort of um, little mention of where he was found, if you know what I mean. So uh, just yeah, kind of just an awkward <clears throat> thing to, to Although that. at that point, I mean, how could they tell what was what? Because that whole thing, mm. both those towers, at that point, it was just a huge pile of rubble. I think so they I mean, zoned it out. I think they kind of worked out in what point the towers were, and they kind of would have had sections, and then there would have been signage that they would have found. Um, they, they would have had ways of coordinating it. I mean, kind of when you go to the memorial, the two reflecting pools uh, where the two original towers were, and, like, as you go on, if, when you go into the memorial... Uh, like it's kind of all like underground, and there's all there's all the sections built into the memorial. Like the the original escalator is kind of still there that you go down a new escalator, but you kind of go side by side with it. And there's like columns that were co- obviously part of it that are you know all ripped to shreds, but they're still kind of there. They've kept it in place, if you know what I mean. So um, yeah, there's a lot I've of said stuff it before. There. I'll say it again. I want I want to visit I want to visit the 9/11 memorial one day. It's worth it. It's really really yeah. hoping I'll be able to. Incredibly incredibly moving <coughs> place. Very much worth it. I thoroughly recommend it to anybody out there. 
Um, so, Bosco and Yokosa with this uh, ADA. Now, is this the same woman that we had when they were talking about uh, Shaquana? Uh, I think so. I just want to double check here because I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, do do we get her name at all? Do you remember if we get her name? Not, I don't recall off the top of my head. Oh, I can't see here. There's no one called, like, Adia. Oh, no, Attorney. Oh, no. Oh, no, that's Andre Resnick. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> I got excited there. That's uh, our French guy. Um, yeah, anyway, I'm going to say it is, because uh, I'm pretty sure that that Adia is in a few episodes. So, um, I know that, uh, uh yeah. you know, and I'm Barb are confirming this. I'm- I'm fairly certain that she comes back in uh, yeah. season five. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you there. That's what I'm thinking. I feel she's kind of a regular. I'm just going here quickly over uh, childhood memories. Or no, was she in childhood memories? Or was she? No, she was in, um, he said, she said, wasn't she? Hang on a sec. This is great yeah. work live on air here on the uh, the Oz Network. He said, she said, let's have a look here. Uh, what is her name? What is the character's name? God, this is great podcasting. Um, I cannot see anyone's here. Judge Heather Smith, no, well, she's uh, Miss Jansen, is it? Yeah, we went over this. No, we did. Okay, I remember her now because she was in an episode of Nip Tuck. Okay, so Miss Jansen is her name. So if we then go here to this episode, is there a Miss Jansen? And there is not. Uh, that is the same person. Come on. Don't give me this <laughs> crap, IMDB. You're bullshitting me. <laughs> <laughs> this is such a bad episode all of a sudden. Hang on a second. No, as in of the Oz Network, not of um, Third Watch. Let's click here. If we click on a profile and we go to Third Watch here, how many episodes has she been in? According to IMDb, she has been in two episodes, The Relay, and He Said, She Said. Okay, that's bullshit. I don't believe this. Anyway, we're right. IMDb's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. Clearly not, but anyway, okay. <laughs> um, so they're, they're questioning this woman about you let him go and there was a technicality because they didn't give the jury the correct instructions or something along this. Um, so basically they want to get the woman who put him away to testify again, but she did. Good idea if she were, good idea if she were still alive. You said it a lot nicer than I did. <laughs> yep. She did. Um, she did. She did. Yo, yo, she did. <laughs> she did. Um, she did, mate. But, um, I mean, it's, you know, it's interesting, kind of, this thing obviously happens in real life. It's the justice system or whatever mm-hmm. and all this sort of stuff. So, um, we'll get, we'll get kind of a bit of that, I think, later on when, like, Bosco mentions that or one of them mentions it. Uh, meanwhile, Davis and Sully are out and about and, uh, we get a moment here between Davis and Taylor where he obviously... It's kind of awkward. Yeah, I, I do like the bit here when Davis is, you know, hey, Kimmy. Uh, <laughs> kind of sees Kim, you know, Kim's checking him out because Kim thinks he's hard. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I don't get like, I guess it's weird kind of with Taylor and, and Davis because like they sort of broke up when he was in hospital, but then we kind of saw her in the apartment with him when, uh, Carlos had Kylie, but now we're sort of back here with, you know, awkwardness because he's just like, I just heard about your dad, you're okay. And then he's just kind of like, uh, well, uh, yeah, see you around. Um, uh, <laughs> so Yeah. It is sort of a, an interestingly awkward scene. I swear we get a bit of closure on this somewhere, don't we? In terms of... Um, of Ty and Davis? 
Uh, I mean, I'm Ty and, yeah. Ty and Taylor. Maybe it's, a, maybe it's around when Taylor leaves, we kind of get a mention. Because I know we get some sort of mention about it more. I'm thinking it might be when Taylor leaves. I think it is. Mm, I, th- I think it is, actually. We can't really say too much about that, but uh, we'll get to that in about a season's no, time. No, we can, we, can we can when we get there. Yes. When we get there. Uh, so anyway, so Bosco on you, this is the bit I was just talking about. They have kind of a conversation about the criminal justice system. It's being screwed up. They mentioned, we could just shoot him and dump him in the river. No one will miss him. Uh, and then, you know, Yoki's is obviously going on about how to judge us upstate. It's just words on a page. I mean, it's a very kind of, it's a... It's a it's a decent conversation. I kind of like sort of their opinions and, you know, they're sort of mentioning about, like, O.J. Simpson and things like that. Um, but it, it's kind of... It reminds you a little bit of, like, the conversation they have back in Season 1 in Ohio when they're talking about, like, mobs and, you know, like, they don't believe in the... Like, what Jokic doesn't believe in the death penalty because she thinks it's all, like, decided in court. So it's a good way that they kind of keep up with her character, that, like, this is something that, obviously, her character believes in. Um, so, yeah, yeah I, it's a nice, I don't know, I like these conversation scenes sometimes when it comes to social issues. I know I've complained about it in some other episodes and it feels a bit forced, but I don't know, I think this scene works. Yep, and it, and it definitely worked back in the Ohio episode also. Sure. All those conversations that the different uh, groups of characters had back then. Yeah, I think the only one that I think episode. I ever kind of complained was a bit forced was, um... Oh, season one when uh, Carlos and Doc had that conversation about the differences between gay and black. Uh, I kind of think that that just... It felt forced, that scene. I didn't really like that scene. Um, but uh, Oh, and 32 Bullets and a Broken Heart. Was yeah. that that episode? Was it? Okay, there you go. See, I, know mm-hmm. you, I knew you would know that because you know the names of the episodes. Um, so, as they, they get a call... Yeah, <laughs> go ahead. Because yeah, that was the same episode where we met... Are you... Are you an angel? Oh, that's right. Yes. Good old uh, Rip Vanjie. Vanjie. Um, but so they get a call. There's an alarm gone off, so they've got to go to that. And as we, they kind of drive off, we see Frisker in the bar. He obviously sees them as they drive off, so he leaves. He knows he's been watched. Um, so anyway, Taylor comes home, and uh, we find out that Taylor's got to look out for pervy Uncle Mike, who's going to grope her. Uh, God, you wouldn't get yeah. away with this in 2017 slash 2018. Like, hashtag me too. Um, like, it's just... Yeah. Which, hey, hey, let's let's not let's not knock that. Let's not knock that movement, though. I won't yeah. knock it for the most part. <laughs> there are elements yeah. of it that I would definitely love to knock, but that's a whole other kettle of fish. Um, but anyway, so they kind of... It's a nice little scene. Is, Go ahead. Yeah, I wonder, is that her... Is that her... Is that her? Is that her mom's brother or her or her dad's brother? It was never established. I would just assume dad's brother, just because he's a firefighter as well, and kind of we hear it's like the family tradition. Uh, I mean, yeah, you're right. It's never established. Yeah. My assumption is dad's brother, but I could be wrong. Um, it's just a fifty-fifty yeah. shot, isn't it? I mean, the right or wrong? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not like a whole <laughs> analysation here of the Taylor family tree going on. I mean, he could just be a friend who they call uncle. It's never established that he really is the uncle, if you know what I mean. Like, um, yeah, because I mean, I, I'm sure you did. I had people growing up who weren't relatives, but I called auntie and uncle just because they were very good friends of the family, and I still to this day refer to them as auntie and uncle, and they're not. Um, you yeah, know, they're kids of my, my cousins. My, and they're not. One of my really good. Yeah, one of my really good friends. Um, both her, both her kids, both her kids, because they because they 
because they love me so much. Both of her kids call me their Uncle Darvell, even though we're not related. Yeah, it's it's so, it's, it's just a thing. Yeah. It's a thing you do, and I mean, yeah. I would refer to like their kids as my cousins growing up because it's just so much easier to say, "Oh, that person's my cousin," rather than, "Oh, that's my mum's best friend's kid." You know, like it just it just yeah. rolls off the tongue. So it's no different to like um, I've got aunts and uncles who are who are younger than me because my uh, grandfather yeah. remarried had more kids, and, um, yeah, I have an auntie who's, like, a month younger than me. I've got one who's, like, three years younger than me. I've got an uncle who's, like, five years younger than me. So it's kind of it's fun explaining that to people. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, he could just be a family. Because, I mean, you know, him filling her up, is that just creepy uncle? Or is it really like, oh, he's just a family friend who will fill her up, if you know what I mean. So, um, yeah, and appar- apparently it's something... You can tell it's something he's done before just by how Beth says, stop feeling her up. Yeah, it's just, just, obviously, it's just a thing that they know he does. Like, this is kind of just the thing. It's like, you know... Especially when he's drunk off his ass. Because they say straight away, like, watch out, Mike's here. And she's kind of like, oh. And then, like, you know, she hugs him. And then, you know, yeah, exactly, as you said. Like, Beth is just kind of like, oh, stop feeling her up. But then it's just kind of laughed off. Like, you're not going to do this nowadays in today's current climate. Um, no, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna arrest him, charge him with <laughs> sexual assault, and thirty other women will come forward as well. Um, don't, I shouldn't say things like that. It really does sound like I'm being an asshole, but I'm not trying to be. Um, but I, I do kind of like, I, I like this Mike guy, which sounds weird. I'm not defending what he does, but the thing that I like about this guy is that all we get is, is like, oh, he's a bit of a perv. He's gonna feel her up, but then kind of just. He's a good actor. I'm just looking here. Bruce White's, or Wheats White's, the way he kind of is just like, oh, you know, do you miss him? Yeah, me too. And he kind of, like, starts crying, and then Beth's kind of like, oh, don't start crying again. Like, I just kind of like this Taylor family dynamic, because it really feels believable, because, like, I guess for them, they all know he's dead. It's just... You, you can't imagine... It doesn't make it any easier. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's, I guess you can never fathom how it's going to feel in a situation like this, whether there's been like a tragedy and they never find the body or like you have a missing person who never gets found. You know, you never, like, kind of as Taylor says, like, I thought it would bring closure. And I guess all these people, like, yeah. imagine if you had a child that were missing and 10 years later you found, they found the body. Like, you would still have that part of you, which is like, well, clearly, you know, they're probably dead. But I will never, never know until they find that body. You think, well, at least if they find the body, I'm going to have closure. It's not necessarily the case. Like, I can't imagine that it instantly... We've all had situations where we want closure from a situation and it doesn't necessarily come. Like, closure is a weird thing to want because even when Mm -hmm. you sort of get it, it doesn't necessarily fulfill things, if you know what I mean. Right. Right, and and also about Mike, and I know we'll get to this at the end of the episode, but I love his little speech that he gives after... After after Angus's funeral, agree completely. Absolutely, all standing agree. around, love it. Completely, completely but, agree. Yeah, um, and isn't this where we find out also that that Angus actually never wanted to be a fireman? Um, is it? I if, if it's not in this scene, it's coming up here pretty soon. I think it's not. I think it, no, it's not. It's when um Beth gives Taylor the diamond. And they're outside their house before the funeral. No, that's that scene. Um, but uh, yeah, I, we'll get to that in a second. But I, I, I just like this scene. I just, I, I don't know. I just love all the Taylor family stuff. And kind of this is where I feel you just get sold on Taylor. Like I think this is a good storyline for her. Um, and I'm not saying you weren't sold on her before, but I just kind of think like on rewatches, just you know, as I always say, she gets better as a character. And just this stuff, like 
as much as I kind of sound like I was maybe criticising that this whole episode's a bit weird that we've kind of got this big deal for somebody we don't know. I mean, I guess you could argue that happened uh, too with the cop funeral last season that we when we never knew the cop that got killed. So, it's kind of like it's it's a connection through Davis. Um, yeah. But, I mean, my, my only negative that I would say about this whole episode and the way they do this is this, I mean, I wish we had have had an episode like this for Bobby. Like, as weird as that sounds. Like, I I really wish we had have had a, a Bobby funeral episode. I'm still, gonna, I'm still on the Bobby funeral bandwagon. Um, so, yeah. I know it's different circumstances. We've kind of gone over that last season that, you know, self-importance of being Carlos was such a great episode to kind of back off a tragedy. But you still could have had that episode at some point in the season and still had a Bobby funeral episode at some point. But yeah. anyway, stop complaining about Bobby's funeral. We got Bobby's gravestone a couple of episodes ago. So, you know. Yeah, um, back in thicker than water. We did, we did. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> Sully's at a strip club. Why not? Uh, <laughs> <so> <laughs> uh, he's kind of walking around and asking all these questions. He's too obvious. Too obvious. I love <laughs> Davis. You know, what are you doing? You look like a cop or a pervert, which he kind of actually does if you kind of, as soon as he says that. But I love Davis here. He's like, got any money on for you? Got any money? Kind of just five seconds later, he comes out to the car. Yeah, she's been waiting tables for a few months. <laughs> so, like, poor old Sully. Um, you know, you think he'd be better at this, but he's not. Um, and Davis finds out pretty quickly. But then, da, 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 plot twist. Um, we find out that her name is <sighs> Natasha Gurren. Is not, is not Tatiana. Mm, which is going to lead to a great scene at the end of this episode. But, um. Yep. What do I call you? Yeah. It's. Oh. Go ahead. Now I'll do I'll do my Sully impression of that when we Yeah, save it, it. <laughs> save it. Save the best for last here, Darville. Um yeah. and then we obviously find out that uh she's in tight with the owner, Chevchenko. So um hmm, this is obviously getting a little bit juicy mm. around uh Tatiana slash Natasha slash Chevchenko. Um, so Taylor, I love this scene. This is just kind of an underrated scene too. Taylor knocking on the door at like what two in the morning. Carlos answers in his underwear, you know, and she's like, "Oh, it's tie around." And he's like, "Oh, he's not home yet." Uh, and I love kind of how um Carlos is just like, "Oh, you want to come in and wait? You want a soda or a beer or something?" Uh, you know, he's got any coffee, and Carlos is just like, "No." Uh, and then he's just like, you know. You know, uh, if you want TV on or anything like that. And I just love how she's just like, you didn't ask if I was okay. And he's just like, what? It's like, oh, my father. It's like, oh. You look okay to me. It's like, oh, yeah, that's right. You know, and I love Carlos. He's come to the door with a baseball bat. I should mention that. Um, but I just I just like this scene because all we ever see is um, Taylor and Carlos at each other's throat. Like, they hate each other. And for some reason, like, Taylor just opens up to Carlos. You know, I knew he was dead. I knew it would be all over. And then she's just kind of like, oh, what am I telling you this for? And I just kind of love Carlos's reaction, just like, I'll go make some coffee. Like, it's just it's just a nice little scene. Like, for two people yeah. that kind of hate each other, like, I don't know. I just, yeah. I just they, love they this never, scene. They never really got along, I don't think. Mm. No, and I think kind of the thing that I like about the Carlos-Taylor sort of pairing is like, when Taylor leaves this show, just the stuff around Carlos when she leaves is amazing. And this is kind of just like one of those little little scenes here. It's all right, Alex. This one of these scenes. Just careful, Davo. You're going to spoil it. Uh, I like this kind of this scene here, which is just... No, I'm not. I stopped. It's just, you know, so it's just a nice scene between these two. So, And it's kind of... It makes sense, though. Like, you know, Taylor kind of hasn't really opened up to anyone. And this is kind of just the guy she ends up opening up to. So, um... Sometimes that happens. You know, you can, like... It, you've held in for so long, and then something just triggers it, and you, and you just, 
spill it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that's exactly it. Like, there are, there kind of going back to my point about people where you, there are people you just don't want to talk to and stuff, but there are, there are definitely people sometimes where you find yourself just randomly talking to and you're like, holy fuck, why am I saying this to you? Like, this has just come out of nowhere. Um, so, yeah, yeah I, I, I get this scene. It's, it's a nice scene. Um, so meanwhile, uh, we get a great scene here with Chevchenko and, uh, Tommy. Remember Tommy? He was what, from like two episodes Frankie. ago? Frankie. Frankie. Why am I saying Tommy? Who's Tommy? Um, Frankie, thank you. <laughs> the junkie you conjured up out of your imagination. I'm just making names that. up. Um, this is like Adam all over again. I can't remember what episode that was in, uh, with Colin on, and I'm just randomly like, what's his name? Oh, Adam. It's like, who's Adam? And I'm like, I don't know. Let's call him Adam. <laughs> so, <laughs> he's Frankie, uh, everybody's favorite junkie. You chased them into my bar. I, just, I love or, this. Or they chased you into my bar. Yeah, I love this scene like kind that. of when Chevchenko just kind of, you know, he gets dangled out the window and Chevchenko just so calmly there with a cigarette. And he's like, who chased you? Who chased you? Who made you do it? Who made you? And then drops the plant to kind of scare him. I love, I love Frankie, though, the way he's kind of like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Take anything you want. I have a DVD player. <laughs> I don't want your DVD player. Dates this episode from 2002 when DVD players were worth money. <laughs> yeah. I I don't want your DVD player. Do you have Blu-ray? You <laughs> what I about VHS? Quite retro. I have plenty of old copies of Cheers on VHS <laughs> for me to watch. You have VHS player? <laughs> <laughs> what about USB stick? You have USB stick with television show on it? No, I'd like to know. <laughs> What anyway. were you doing in my bar? So it's a great scene, just, you know, going back to what Tell we're saying me. already about Chevchenko and just his, you know, great sort of calm, intimidating tactics and Roy Scheider, just so amazing. God, I love Chevchenko. R.I.P. As, as we obviously, if we ever do an episode where we just rank our favourite sort of side characters, I feel Chevchenko will be up uh, very high. Chevchenko, highly. top of the list in, ter- in terms of in terms of fantastic villains. And I do love that um, kind of, you know, he just poor, you just see Frankie giving all this up and we're going to see... Um, Frankie sort of in the cop shop soon, so obviously he doesn't die here. But um, anyway, so we've got Sally back at the cop shop, and he's uh, I don't know if saying cop shop. He's uh, gone to the the database woman, whoever this woman is. She just searches people. Um, they can't find anything on Tatiana, but they look for Natasha and uh, prints out uh, a piece of paper for Sally. And obviously she's got a bit of a rap sheet, so um, this is going to be obviously mm-hmm. a bit of a story at the end. Um, so, we have Jimmy still working on this uh, thing. We don't know what it is just yet. Um, and then we uh, get a bit of a conversation here, like, oh, you're going to uh, the, the captain's funeral. Let's all have a carpool. Uh, that would be nice. Uh, I don't... Is this Lombardo's last scene in terms of talking? I think voice? it... Well, no, I don't think it's his last. I don't think it is his last. I thought you were going to say, again, is this his last episode? It kind of sounded like you were... Mm. Unsure there, so no, no, no I, I know it is his last, right but I just, I, I think he does he talk at the end, maybe. I don't think so. Hmm. I don't think so. Do we want to memorize him now? Because I don't know if he talks again anymore at this point. Mm. Yeah, sure. Let's. Go All right. Ahead. Well, uh, Lombardo. <laughs> I mean, again, it's kind of there's not a whole lot to say on Lombardo. I mean, we obviously had a bit of a storyline in season two around. I mean, he broke Jimmy's nose. Yeah, I mean that's but... kind of. I think the thing I liked about Lombardo is, 
I mean, not to take away from DK and Walsh, because DK and Walsh are there the whole time, and they're actual firefighters. They're not actors. They're just kind of consultants who they've, you know, uses background people who obviously could act decent enough to put on the show. Lombardo's kind of the, you know, alongside, you know, Lieutenant Johnson, maybe the first sort of side actor firefighter that we get, who's the most memorable, let's be honest. Uh, I mean... You know, freaking stew with all disease, and what was the assholes Prescott from this season? Like, oh, they can go get fucked. Like Lombardo is kind of like I know we kind of had a few random ones in season one, but they never stuck around. If you know what I mean, like they had a few no. lines. Whereas no. this is, you know, our and he's the most. I'd say he's the longest serving actor firefighter outside of you know. I know Taylor's kind of in that category, but I'm talking side characters here. Uh, you know, obviously yeah. DK and Walsh are, but um. Yeah, I mean, I like Lombardo. I, I kind of am sad that he didn't stick around for longer. And, I, look, I don't know why Nick Sandow didn't stay for longer. I mean, Nick Sandow's kind of... Again, we went over him when he first appeared, that he's been in lots of things. So, um, you know, he's a person who sort of has gone on to just be a, a regular side person along the way. He's a great actor. I did like the storyline sort of around him and um, his girlfriend, his wife, whatever, Linda, and then kind of just, uh, you know, that whole plotline in season two. Uh, it's sort of always been left open-ended that who is the father of her baby. We'd never see her baby. So, um, you know, we just assume that Joe and Linda go off happily ever after and raise possibly uh, Jimmy's baby. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know what else really we can say about Lombardo. He, yeah. he kind of just fades away, doesn't he? I always, I always forget he's in the third season. I thought season two, that was it, but no, he's season three. So, um, yeah, anything yeah, you want to add on I... Lombardo? Yep, and... Kind of a related thing, you know, where he, the storyline with him, um, <clears throat> I liked it in, I kind of liked it in in, um, in honor when, you know, I mean, he was still, of course, still mad at Jimmy for everything that had happened, and yet when he when he realized that Jimmy was still in that building, mm-hmm. I mean, he went he went back in there to, he went back in there to try to find it to find his best friend. And I like that bit in, it's the self-importance of being Carlos, isn't it? When he says about being pregnant, it's just like, I just wanted to tell my best friend. It's like, aww. Yeah. Aww. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, you gotta love that. You gotta love it. And just looking here kind of through, um, I mean, we do this a fair bit with sort of our main cast and sort of our side characters. I mean, you know, we've already established that sort of outside of the main cast, Swirsky appears in the most episodes, then Walsh, uh, then DK... Uh, then Proctor, uh, technically it's a Holly because she was actually never actually credited as a main cast member. Uh, mm-hmm. Then we've got Lieutenant Johnson, Charlie. Uh, okay, we're scrolling down a bit here. We're going through this. Jelly, Jelly Grimaldi's in 22 episodes. I didn't realize he was in that many. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's kind of a yeah, bit... Yeah, he gets, he gets introduced in season five. So uh, Lombardo has two less episodes. No, hang on, let's, let's go back here. He has... Four less episodes than Joey. Uh, four less episodes than uh, Rose Boscarelli. Uh, four less episodes than PJ Morrison's Emily Yocus. And this is a travesty. Two less episodes than Dana. Boo! What? <laughs> Blasphemy. Boo! Boo, Dana. Uh, <laughs> so he appears in a total of 12 episodes. He, uh, he has, who's, uh, Emerson Clare. Who is that? No idea. She was in 12 episodes. I've got to look at her face here. Oh, she, um, hmm. She looks familiar. 
Um, was she like that one, that lawyery person with Davis in the fifth and sixth season? Uh, but we've already met her. I uh, don't know. And- Anyway, okay, Emerson Clare is in 12 episodes, played by Susan Kalichi Watson. I cannot remember her. That's weird. Uh, Maggie Davis is in 10 episodes. Oh, I, know who, I know who that is. Who is she? Who is she? Yep. Well, she is, well, she currently stars on This Is Us. Speaking of that, she mentioned it earlier. But do you remember her third watch? <laughs> oh, um... I'll have to think on that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I bet you it's like one of these obviously ones that are like screaming out at us. Can we Google Imager on third? Is she even like... Is third watch isn't enough online to even be able to find her. If I type in Emma St. Clair third watch, uh, I'm going to get no image results returned on that. So, uh, yeah, she's going to be someone that I'll see and I'll like, oh, yeah, her. Um, but she's in 12. I think she's like something to do with like a lawyer. She's in... Her first episode is Last Will and Testament, so that's season five, isn't it? Or season six? No, that's, that's season, season six. six. Um... So her very first episode is in Ty gets a rookie partner, family connections, IB. Carlos gets cursed by a patient sucker. Oh god, that episode's terrible. A Chinese bride is shot at a wedding. Faith asks Fred if their kids can attend a promotion ceremony. Monroe finds is she not Monroe's sister? No, but why would her last name be Saint Clair? Her last name would be um, Monroe. Unless she got married. God, we're terrible Third Watch fans here. Who is Emma Sinclair? She's a, this is annoying me. <laughs> <laughs> I need to look this shit up. I need to pull an episode up right now, live on air, without us playing the sound so we can dub it over. Because this is going to give me the shits here, Darvell, that I cannot remember who this person is. We've got Orkidas and Barb like yelling at this. Being, Man, it's so obvious. It's this woman. I, I think she's either related to Monroe or she's like a, an attorney person. Um, I think if she is an if she is an attorney person or a judge or something like that, then she makes her appearance in and you know she apparently makes her first appearance in Last Will and Testament. Well, exactly. Then let's say let's say she let's say she's an attorney person for now. It stands to reason that she will uh, play a big play a big part in. Well, I'm scrolling through. Let's this. just say it. Now. Let's just say a pretty big storyline in season six. I am scrolling through this now. Oh, God, random <clears throat> Carlos flirting with Grace. Oh, let's look forward to that. Oh, hi, Cruz. Um, there she is. Um, oh, God, boss. Oh, Carlos gets cursed by a psychic. Can we just... That just on paper just sounds terrible, does it not? Um, it does. So I'm just scrolling. This is great podcasting here, folks. Um, oh, this is oh, that's the episode. Oh, that's um, Finney's first episode, of course, of the car crash. Yeah, last will, last will and testament is oh, Finney's first. That's like a weird episode because you've got such a good storyline there, but you've just got such a shit. I, I don't even know how I'd rate that episode. Um, God, this is where is she? She's not in this episode. They're lying to me, Darvell. She's not in this episode. I can't. Oh, that's Holly and oh, Holly and Carlos. That's sweet. Um, okay, this is bullshit. She's not in this episode. <laughs> this thing is driving you crazy. This is honestly, like, I am not even kidding me. I want to know who the fuck Emma St. Clair is. All right, she's in The Hunter, The Hunted. So that is, where are we? That is, uh, episode five. That is five. season six, episode five. Okay. All right, sorry, folks. We are going to talk about this episode, I do promise. Um... Scrolling through here. Oh, this is a this is um a fairly okay episode. Uh, 
for a season six episode. Oh, this oh this is where um spoiler alert. It's where Finny and Grace fuck in the toilet. <laughs> hmm. well, I don't remember that. I do remember he. Sa- I do remember he <laughs> saves her and Carlos when they're taken hostage by a madman. God. I don't know. They fucked in the restroom afterwards. This season. Uh, <laughs> I like Holly. Um, Avon yeah. Jung. We've already met Avon Jung, haven't we? Yep. Yeah. She is not in this. This is bullshit. Yep. She is not in this show. She's like being cut in deleted <laughs> scenes. Like she is not in this show. Darvell, IMDb is lying to me. <laughs> this is yeah. absolute horseshit. She's not in it. She's honestly. I've got through two episodes, and she she must have like two scenes or something like that. She's in twelve episodes. How? Ten episodes. Greatest detectives in the world. Right, whoever that's... put whoever put that on IMDb. Who is Drop she? A comment here and tell us. <laughs> Who is Emma Sinclair? This is bullshit. I'm losing my mind here right now that I can scroll through <laughs> three episodes and not even see her. Is she a nurse? Like, is she just blinking? You miss mm. nurse? Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on, oh, hang on. She must be a nurse because hang on, was that her? All right, hang on. Crisis averted here, Darvell. I think we've found her. Drum roll. We've found her. We've got Holly and Carlos here hugging in the hospital. That's like, there she is. She's a nurse. I'm like, why, who? Like, what? She's like more or less memorable than Dana. Dana looks like an Oscar award winner compared to Emerson Clare. Who is she? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. wonder if she was present in the big season six (laughs) opener. She wasn't. She the first episode was Last Will and Testament. So, <laughs> <clears throat> oh my god, this is this is ridiculous. She's in all the way up to end of tour, so she's in the penultimate episode of Third Watch. Made for made for a funny moment though. As the esteemed Emerson Claire. Oh my god, this is the vampire episode. I'm scrolling through end of tour. Ah, there's vampires. <laughs> Oh, Manny, I love Manny. <laughs> oh, season yeah. six has some redeeming qualities to it. There she is. There's, it does. There's Emerson Clare working a magic in the hospital as a nurse. Oh my god, fuck season six. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, two hundred and thirty-three days. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've just that's, that's we're. our that's our memorial of Joe Lombardo. We just spend ten minutes trying to find out who Emma Sinclair is and yelling about season six. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Joe. We do love you, Joe. Nick Sandow, you're great. Um, anyway, 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 anyway. So, um, Bosco and Yoko's are still watching over Friska. Um, he's like, what, working at a, what is this, a grocery store or something? And he's like kind of flirting with some woman and like, oh, I wonder if he knows that uh, she knows he's a granny rapist. Uh, and this is kind of just like a little conversation about, oh, how are your lungs doing? You know, who knows what we breathe down there and stuff like that. Just kind of like a little passing scene there. Because, I mean, that's obviously a big thing. We talked about yeah. that, I feel, at the beginning of this season that um, yeah. it's been a big side effect, hasn't it, from, you know, not just first, just people in that area. Mm-hmm. I mean, they actually, when mm-hmm. people have died, I think I mentioned this in the episodes, but, like, when people have passed away because of the stuff they've breathed in, they actually count that on the uh, official death toll of 9-11. So, um, yeah, and, you know, I wonder if the air down there is still kind of hazardous to breathe in. I bet there's still some of that stuff floating around. I've been down there, so um, <laughs> I don't know. Ask me in a few years. Uh, maybe oh, I was going to say that's not why I get my cough because I've had that cough before I've ever been to New York. So anyway, 
Um, so they get called back to the house, uh, so they can't keep watching Frisker. Um, so we've got Kim and Taylor here, and Kim's offering to bring her mean bread pudding. Um, and I, I kind of, again, I like this little scene between Kim. This is just an episode with nice little scenes, like nice character moments between people. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, just Kim and Taylor having a conversation. You know, we learn a little bit about Taylor's family, her brother, uh, Adam. Hey, look, there's an Adam. I can actually uh, say an Adam. Um, he's gay and he's a nurse. Uh, I like that kind of bit where this kind of goes back, doesn't it, to how, uh, Sully no knew him. It's like, oh, he's a traditionalist. You know, and how, like, oh, how did he take the being a nursing? Oh, not as well as, not as bad as he took the whole gay thing. And it's like, oh, he got over it. Uh, so, yeah, it's a it's a nice little line, I guess. Um, yeah. It's a nice scene, I should say, not just a nice line. Um, we then back at the, the precinct and we see Frankie. He's been, he's obviously spilling his guts. And we get a crap from Sully. It's been a while since we've had a crap, isn't it? Crap. Crap. Yep. Which is like, um, I mean, look, I really wish we had him tally this. I think I mean, he's only probably had about three or four up until this point. It becomes a lot more relevant sort of moving forward. Uh, I mean, again, as we mentioned this season, it is the last word we will ever hear on Third Watch. Crap. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, and by the way, I'm still working on, I'm still working on, on doing his, on doing his closing narration at the end of the final episode. <laughs> Well, I mean, we'll be here for a while, so... Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, as I just move away from the microphone, that was very professional, Ben. Um, but, yeah, so Davis kind of is asking what happened, and, you know, just kind of like, oh, the less you know, the better I feel in this situation. Um, and, you know, Yokus and, and Sally have to get talked about here. Um, and then we see Resnick again, who obviously, you know, is kind of, in a way, gloating... A little bit here, and he's just kind of like, you know, drop if you drop the suit, uh, leave my client alone. Um, you know, you'll see Tatiana again. He's like, Don't you say her name, son of a bitch. Um, that's clearly my best Sully impersonation. What was that? Don't say her name, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, that definitely wasn't Sully. Oh, come on now. You were there. You thought I was Skip Sardis. <laughs> Don't give me that. That was brilliant. Um, <laughs> really wasn't. Uh, but uh, they break him. I, lo- I love because there's a random bit here when you see like everyone's trying to break off Sully from uh, Resnick, and you just see Bosco kind of as he walks off. He just checks his lip. Like he, I don't, know, I didn't really see Bosco get hit in this old occasion, but I don't know. It's just kind of a random little scene. Um, and then obviously Davis is like questioning him. You know, you bring it to you bring it to the house. It is my business. You know, like in Davis, and, it, and he's right. It yeah. is. Exactly. I love Davis just standing up for himself. He, strong Davis. Like, we didn't see this from a couple of seasons ago, so I do no, like it when we get Davis kind of, you know, being a bit aggressive towards Sully. It's great. Um, and then, obviously, this is where Sully admits, like, he ran prize on Natasha and, uh, you know, he reads the list and Davis is kind of like, oh, look, this is a long time ago. And he's just like, I married a man. I married this woman, man. Uh, and then, you know, Davis is just kind of like, look, just talk to a soul. Um, so, yeah, I love this introduction here. This is, you know, very similar to what kind of what we had, uh, back in season three, um, with, uh, da, 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 don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me, heroes rest. Um, when you kind of see everybody getting all dressed up That's and everything. season two. Did I say season three? I meant season two. You know what I meant. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. kind of very similar where obviously everyone's getting dressed up and, you know, prepared in their nice clothes and everything along those lines. With sort of some sad music playing, sort of a, an, alter, an alternate version of the 9-11 theme, I guess. Um, and then we get... This is the scene you were talking about before. So we get Taylor and her mum, 
uh, having a conversation. Uh, we never actually get to see Adam. I think Adam's probably sitting, one of those guys sitting next to them in the front row of the funeral, but we never kind of hear from her brother. Uh, but uh, Beth gives Taylor a diamond from her grandma's Mary's wedding ring. Uh, she had it mounted. Kind of, I don't know, I feel a bit weird here that, like, is this almost a bit of a dick move from a mum? Because she's like, I was going to give it to you on a, on your wedding day, but I thought I'd give it to you today. I'd, I'd be like, well, so what, mum? You think I'm not going to get married? <laughs> like, you know, like, give it to me now. Um, but this is that scene where you said, like, uh, yeah, grandfather wanted him to. He never wanted to be a firefighter. He wanted to be a teacher. Um, and uh, I like this little bit where she says... You know, oh, he was so proud of you when you graduated uh, from the fire academy. He held my hand and cried like a baby. It's like, oh, Angus Taylor crying. Well, we never somehow I have a hard time picturing that. for somebody we never meet. Uh, it's actually kind of like we feel we get to know a lot about him, don't we? So, um, yeah, I mean, when I mean, because think back to when, when, when Prescott, when Prescott was boo. introduced, because because he. Bear with me here, <laughs> you know, because he, you know, because he worked under 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 Angus before transferring, and he would say, and he was when talking to Alex, he said that that somebody would always come by with with a story on how Alex was doing, and and Angus would just start swelling up with pride, and then he'd try to and then he'd try to shake it off. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, you know, I had a I had a problem. I, I took issue with that because I mean, of course, we never we never meet the guy, but we do get to know a lot about him. Like, hey, man, why are you so afraid to show that you're proud of your child? Well, I mean, come on. Well, again, we do learn that he's kind of like <clears throat> a traditional man. Like he's a man he wouldn't have approved of, you know, Davis and and uh, Taylor. You know, he was against the the whole sort of his son being gay thing. So like when it comes to a traditional man, like, you know, crying is a sign of weakness. So that's, I guess, what is implied here. Yeah. Um, but I, I also do like this scene back in the present episode. I do, I do like it also where he, where, where Beth says to, um, to Alex about, you know, it was supposed to be, you know, Adam carrying on the tradition and all that, but he chose to be a nurse and, about how Angus never wanted to be a fireman, and she says something like, "I think that's why he. I think that's why he never argued with Adam about it." Yeah, yeah, and no, I agree with you. It's a nice scene, uh, and this, I just yeah. The thing that I like about Taylor's mum is that this is the first episode we ever see her in. We're only going to see her in two more episodes, but like in one episode, we just feel like we know her. Like, we're just like, ah, oh, yeah. yes, Taylor's mum. Like, you know, I don't know. Like, she just does, does such a great job here, Veronica Hamill, of just kind of being so motherly and just, you know, really kind of believing that this is who, you know, she would be. So, um, yeah. yeah, she's she's a I great still, actress. I still wonder, yeah, I still wonder who would have played him had we actually gotten to meet the guy when he was alive. Well, we had two <laughs> photos of him, so two different actors kind of played him in a photo. Um, so... Yeah. <laughs> There's that. Um, I was going to say Kevin Spacey, but that's not really appropriate anymore, is it? Um, but <laughs> well, you could still say it. Who knows? By the time this airs, he might be in again. Um, but I, I, you know, like, what does he say? She say, like, "You look beautiful, Mum. Black becomes me." Um, yeah, this uh, the funeral scene. Everybody there. 
Uh, it's it's great. Uh, then we get um, Bosco and Yokus. We find out that uh, Frisker's done it again. Um, he's trying to rape someone, but he's cut himself. So Bosco's like, let's get this dirt back. It's kind of back and forth here really quite quickly. Um, Uncle yeah. Mark's reading I don't the- really like that. I do. I think it's effective. I think it kind of works, particularly when we get to kind of this song in a minute. Um, we get Uncle Mark reading the eulogy. Taylor, you know, obviously holding her mum's hand. We've got uh, Bosco and Yoko's going off with the woman that he was working with before, trying to find Friska. Um, get Taylor's mum kind of having a great uh, speech here about how, you know, she prayed for this day and she dreaded the day and... Uh, you know, he was so privileged. And I, that line when she's like, I miss you, sweetheart. I'll see you soon. It's like, oh, oh, Yeah. Um, very sad. Um, so And very well acted. Very well acted. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, props to... Oh, gosh, Hamill. I forgot her name. Veronica Hamill. I forgot her name. Yeah. Veronica. And not, not spelt like Mark Hamill, so she's not like Luke Skywalker's mum or anything like that. Um, she actually... <clears throat> she has been in. She's very esteemed, uh, Veronica. She's, I think, been a lot of things back in the day. She was uh, Hill Street Blues. I think she was probably most known for. Oh, here. that that's a that's a classic. Hundred and forty-four episodes she was in that of. So um, I apologise to uh, people out there who are maybe screaming at me, going, "Oh, she's so famous from that!" Like I never really watched it to be honest, and it's kind of before my time. So. Um, I will say that um, the last episode she was in of Hill Street Blues was in the year I was born. So, uh, a little bit before my time. Uh, Anyway, so uh, we got, uh, what, Frisker's apartment. He's all cut and bled and Mm -hmm. the the lady there is like, oh, I see him playing basketball sometimes. This is kind of when we get this. I don't know. I just, I love the way this sort of multi-editing scene works. This guy singing that song and then kind of we see the funeral, the, the coffin getting carried out and Bosco and Yoke is running after Friska. Um, just, I don't know. I just think it's a really clever way of doing it. Like, we've got the, the funeral going on whilst they're chasing him. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just really good. It's just, I just love the effectiveness of this. The coffin on the fire truck. I love kind of where you see the people hanging out the windows with their American flags watching on. It just, it just, I don't know. It just, you can imagine that they've shut down this street to, to film this and yeah. they've, you know, said to people in the neighborhood, like, like, hey, can you just like stand in your window and hold an American flag? And look, this is probably a church where they actually did have funerals for 9-11 victims. So they're oh, probably pro- used oh, to it. No so. question. No uh, question. Because we get that line, don't we, in a minute from Mark when he says he's been to like 28 memorial services. So, um, you know, we'll get to that yeah. in a minute. Uh, and then it just, the way it kind of cuts into just Chevchenko sitting down with a coffee, and just Sully standing over him. You stay away from my family. And he's like, you'll stay away from mine. Stay away from mine. I love it. It just, it just, you know, it's, we don't need a build up to Sully showing up. We don't need him sneaking around. It's just, it's just so effective. He's just there. Uh, and it's like, we're not finished, you and me. And he just walks out. And then, you know, you see Chevchenko kind of like calling over a guy and whispering to him. Um, just so good. I don't know. I just love the powerfulness yeah. of this scene. It's so good. Uh, and then speaking of powerful, then we just get this fantastic closing to this end, this episode. Um, mm-hmm. And look, again, I'm going to say this. Uh, if we didn't already have such a powerful top five, this would be in the conversation. I just can't nod, nudge anything out of the top five already. There's, this is maybe the seventh or the sixth best moment of this season. Um, and the problem with this scene is that it's, my- it's kind of cho- it's yeah, very I'm- short and it's kind of chopped in the middle. So that's kind of what <clears throat> kind of also affects this scene. But... Yeah, I think kind of given that we're going to have one very prominent September 11 scene in our final five, we could fill our entire final five with 9-11 references and scenes. But um, 
I think that this just misses out. If we did a top 10, this would be in the top 10. Um, yeah. And um, Mike's Mike's little Mike's little speech. Yeah. Uh, Two hundred and thirty-three days. Well, I just I like you. You obviously opened with the the line, but I just love that of like I always hated them. I always thought they were ugly, but now I miss them. Which is generally, I think the the perception of the Twin Towers. Like a lot of New Yorkers <clears throat> didn't like them. They were kind of ugly. They were very boring looking buildings. If you do think about the Twin Towers, they were just kind of giant, you know, rectangles. Skyscrapers. Yeah, they were boring. But uh, it's kind of a good point. Like and. We had that earlier this season when kind of Bosco sort of mentions like, well, you do think the skyline will ever look the same again? And it's it's always weird kind of looking if you look at old, you know, pre-9-11 photos of seeing it. Um, I think you just always associate seeing the Twin Towers with 9-11. It's just kind of almost like a, it's a weird thing to see them. But like, if you look at the skyline now of New York, obviously now that they've built One World Trade Center, I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of complete again. I mean, One World Trade Center is a beautiful looking building. Um, it's, you know, the tallest in America now. So, um... Yeah, and I've been to the top of that. It's an amazing building. I love my skyscrapers, so I think it's it's a stunning uh, piece of architecture that they've done with it. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I never went to New York uh, when the Twin Towers were around. I, I was there in 2010, and I kind of saw the, the half-built one trade center. So I, um, you know, went to the top of, like, the Empire State Building and Rockefeller Plaza where I kind of saw that area. And it does, it did, I remember looking down to that area of New York thinking it does kind of look empty. But then also when you're there and you see the, the new one, it's also, it's a weird thing, the skyline of New York, because, like, all the buildings in Manhattan are kind of concentrated in Midtown, and they're kind of in that section. But then this is obviously, like, lower Manhattan, where it's kind of like the tip of the island, and it's kind of out of nowhere. You've got this super tall building, because there's no other tall buildings around the, where the Twin Towers were. This is it. There's only the one building now, yeah, so, yeah. I was going to say, isn't isn't One World Trade Center somewhere near... Oh, it's basically right were? next door. So, essentially, where, like, the memorial and the reflecting pools are, it's pretty much, like, the next block over. Um, so, when you go to, like, One World Trade Center and you go up the top, you can see them. And then, sort of, when you get to the base of the One World Trade Center and you, you, you know, because the reflecting pools are kind of, there's a free bit. You can just walk around them. Um, and, you know, there's all gardens and trees and kind of, you know, things like that. Uh, and you just, yeah, the One World Trade Center is right above you. And then to go into the memorial, which is, again, also in the right next door, like, you've got to pay to get into that. But, um, yeah, I remember um, it's a lot more spread out now. I remember when I went there in 2010 when it was being built because uh, they had it all fenced off and you couldn't kind of see much. But, like, I remember thinking to myself, like, how the hell did two tall buildings fit here? This is so tightly compacted. It's like, like, where did they fit? But, it like, it, it looks... It's different now when it's all open and you can kind of see the foundations of where they were, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So, um, yeah, it's... I just like that line. I just love that line of, I hated them, I always thought they were ugly, and now I miss them. I just think that's perfect. And, yeah, like, as you mentioned, you know, 233 days since 9-11. He's been to 28 funeral services and memorials, and in a few weeks it'll all be over. They'll name a junior high school after some of these people. Uh, but people will move on, but we will be the ones who remember and honour those that we lost. I think it's just a perfect speech. Yeah. And I, but I mean, I have to, I have to, dis, I have to disagree with the character there because, trust me, we still haven't forgotten. And it's been seventeen. It's been almost. It's been like what sixteen years. Seventeen since years, then. basically, the time we were releasing. Yeah, look, I, I agree with you. I think it's, yeah. but I think kind of maybe in the moment you kind of assume that. Like, I guess <clears throat> it's still so close to when it happened when this is done, and I guess you kind of assume you hope that things will move on and you will move past it. But I, I think kind of 
we talked about this when we did the episodes about how much of an impact this had on America. Uh, I mean, you, you start from, you know, so how much of an impact this had on New York, how much this had on America, how much this had on the world. Um, you know, just everything around that, kind of what changed from this day or from that day, basically. So, um, but I do also think it's important to kind of like what he says, because it's kind of like if you think about like all the survivors of say like, you know, World War One, World War Two, and it's every year goes by, we lose more of them because obviously they're, they're aging. And, you know, they're all going to pass away one day. So then that's going to be the case with then, say, like, the Korean War, the Vietnam War. Then, you know, they've got, like, all these wars will kind of, the survivors will go on. This will be the same with 9-11 one day, that, you know, one day we're going to live in a world where there are none of these survivors left anymore. So, like, it's it's always going to be part of, you know, things like that. But it's... It's just, it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's, a, I think it's just a powerful speech. I think it's just very well done and just kind of like, yep, and just seeing everybody sort of sitting around and having this conversation, you know, I just think it, it's very, very effective. Yep. And also, you know, another group of survivors, I don't know why I'm throwing this out there, but another group of survivors that are passing away every year, Holocaust survivors. Mm, oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, just yeah. plenty of. I all- loved it. I'd, lo- I'd love to. I'd love to. S- random. This has nothing to do with Third Watch, but hey, you know, I'd love. I'd love to sit down with one of them one day and you know just hear just hear their story, as horrific as it is bound to be. Well, that's. I mean, at the, the time of recording this, and again, I say this now because at the time of releasing this, it's probably already aired. So it's going to sound a bit weird if people are listening to this in order and going, "Hang on a minute, Ben, I've already listened to that interview." But like, I keep saying at like, the time of recording this, like, I know a NYPD cop who was a 9/11 first responder, and I'm trying to get an interview set up with him. Um, but yeah, I remember when I met him in person and kind of, you know, I think I told the story about how he was at this event I was because he was on Big Brother, but I didn't give a shit that he was in Big Brother because I've never watched the US Big Brother. And I got talking to him yeah, about the fact that, Big Brother. that he was a 9-11 first responder and I was more intrigued about hearing stories about that. So, um, yeah, I'm that type of person who I guess, um, want to sit down and just hear the stories and just like talk to him about it because, you know, it's, it's, yeah. Anyway, we're getting sidetracked. Anyway, so this is a great, it's a great scene. Uh, sadly, I don't think we'll make our top five because, again, I think we've got our five locked in oh. quite permanently. So I think that really that's just untouchable, that five that we've got. But we do get um, this great closing scene where Sally kind of comes home and, uh, you know, where, where where have you been? You don't come home last night? I was right. I'm, I kind of say, I love Tatiana, but in a way, like, you have no right to say that. You have been gone for two really? months. Yeah. <laughs> What do I what do I call you? Yes. Tatiana or <laughs> Natasha. I just and if, the thing that I love about this scene too, like it's it's effective because if you actually watch Savannah Husk, you kind of see the way they sort of um, pan away from this and kind of cross into the next scene. You just watch Savannah Husk as she sits down, she kind of like slumps in the chair and puts her hand like her head in her hands as if to say, like, fuck, I've been caught. So, um, yeah, it's it's a great little way to kind of do that. Then we obviously get a great little bit here with um, Jimmy. We've seen what he's been working on. They're hanging on the wall. Taylor's on the squad. Who was it? Uh, well, I'll get there in a second. Uh, Taylor's on the squad. <laughs> she drives off, and then um, they they basically kind of get a bit of a scene here in the fire engine. Where they're like, "Oh, dispatch calls. You know, this might be a good one." And then we cut back to the firehouse, and we see uh, a big plaque on the wall that just basically says 9-11, never forget," and it's got some names of some people on this plaque. So. Um, yeah, it's yeah. a, it's a nice little fitting way. And this, I mean, look, 
when I say it closes off the 9-11 storyline, we get references to it. Like, wait till we get to the Doc stuff season five. Mm, um, but spoiler I, alert. There's really, from this point on, like, and this is, I think, kind of what... And I, I mentioned this, I think, already this season, a couple of episodes <laughs> ago, but so underappreciated season three. And I can't wait to get to our recap episode because I think it bookends it well. Like, we obviously had this season where they had stuff planned, ready to go, but then the tragedy happens, so they scramble, they make it work, and then kind of they bookend it. Like... What the, we said this way back in the beginning, what Third Watch does so well is it's the best fictional show in dealing with 9-11 because it then doesn't keep amping on about it. It's not like we just get four, five, and six all about 9-11, 9-11, 9-11. You know, they, they kind of... But it's never it's never forgotten either. Exactly, exactly. You're exactly right. But I just think it's, it's, it's a perfect way that they close it out with this episode to kind of give us this closure for it. And that speech by, uh, you know... Uh, Uncle Mark is just Mike. Mark, what am I saying here? Um, that it's it's it is Mark. Why am I thinking Mike? I'll just call him Adam Ben. No, it's um, it, it is Mike. Why have I written Mark? Who's Mark? <laughs> His long lost twin brother. I was going to call him Adam. Um, <laughs> um who's Elizabeth St. Mitchell? Um, <laughs> don't get started, Ben. Um. It's not even Elizabeth St. Mitchell, it's Emma Sinclair. I can't even remember names. This is why you remember the episode names and I'm just dumb. <laughs> Who are these people? What would you do without me, Ben? <laughs> Faith Boscarelli. Um, Maurice Yokus. My favourite characters in um, Fifth Watch. What a show. Uh, <laughs> Ben's losing it. Uh, <laughs> you are losing your marbles, man. Anyway, Uncle Adam's speech uh, <laughs> is an amazing way of closing off the 9-11 storyline in Third Watch. That is my point. Boom. Um, anything else yeah. to add on this episode before we get to the evil review bit to Ben to take his meds and calm down? <laughs> yeah, even though in the grand scheme of things this wouldn't have been necessary, I would have, I would have actually liked to have seen them Fighting that fire that they got called to at the end there, and yeah, it's not I would have liked to have we seen don't them need do it. that. Yeah, I mean, I know it's not. I know it really isn't necessary. It's just a. It's just a little. Just a little thought of head. Hey, you know, would it be nice to see Alex actually going in? Alex, especially, would it have been nice to see Alex going in to that building to fight that fire, and. You know, and you know she's thinking of her dad the whole time she's doing it. Yeah, I get what you're saying, but, I mean, we're right at the end of the episode, and I just, yeah. Yeah. You know, do it in a different way. But I, I just like the fact Taylor's back on the squad. So that's kind of what yeah. I'll say. Um, but even though it kind of is very short-lived from memory. Um, anyway, so... I wish they had had her on the squad more. I, really I agree. Do. I agree. We've all. I think we're all in agreement that we like Taylor better as a firefighter. Not to say she's not a great paramedic, but you know that's kind of how we roll. Anyway, uh, buy it. Render evil review section. I'm buying this. I'm just saying that right now. Uh, I'm uh, no question. Definite buy here too. Absolutely. Definite buy here too. I mean, you know what? If anyone said that they were going to rent this episode, oh my god. <laughs> and I, I will say, on my overall ratings, I have put this 25th out of 66. Obviously, I've included the next episode after this that I've rated to. Um, so, I've put this just above Cold Front from this season. 
and uh, mm-hmm. just below Know Thyself from season two. So, um, yeah, God, I've got so many season three episodes higher up than I ever thought there would be. I'm gonna. Be, it's gonna be interesting when we get to our uh, our recap episode in a couple of weeks, where I rank season three overall. So, anyway, uh, we've only got one more week to go until we get to that uh, recap episode. Of course, I want to blackout now. I mentioned, I think, last season in and Zeus wept that I I am a bit of a fan of Blackout. I think that um, you know we're, we're we're now past our season finales where we don't really end on a cliffhanger. So this is really our first cliffhanger of a season ender. Having said that, it's not like it's not a really major cliffhanger. No, though. It's, it's not like what we'll get with four and five ending. Exactly right. Uh, it is definitely not like what we will get with four and five. Um, but having said that, there is someone closely associated to Yokus who ends up in the hospital. So that's kind of an ongoing theme that we'll have for the next three season finales. Um, but yeah, I, hence my point of Faith Yokus, Molly Price being the star of Third Watch. Um, I, I love Blackout. I think it's a very underrated episode and, uh, I think that it's a great way to cap off this season. <coughs> It's also, I know I've said that a lot in terms of season three, and I said this at the end of season two about season three kind of transitioning. As much as I thought three was almost a transitional season into what we get in the future, we've actually, on the grand scheme of things, only really had maybe one, two episodes, which have been that level of season five, sixness that we will get. So in the grand scheme of things, like, this is kind of going to be maybe our last ever old school vibe of an episode. I know we get a few in season four, but, I mean, you know, this is a season with Snowblind in it. So, um, I mean, it's kind of going to be a bit of a vibe. But having said that, as I think we said last week, 4 has got some great greats and some bad bads. So, like, 4's kind of, you know, it's it's very bipolar. Whereas 5 and 6, you know, 5's maybe not as bad as some people say, but it's probably got more bad than good. And 6 definitely has more bad than good. <laughs> so... Yeah, but five and six still, of course, have their great. Mo- have their oh yeah, absolutely. No I mean, again, and as we always say, is that we repeat ourselves over and over again. There will be bads in season six that we will rip shit into that we'll probably still watch over goods of other shows because this is third watch, our favorite show. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, there's really going to be little I can defend about a story that involves vampires in third watch. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, blackout. They I don't come know. Come out. They come out at night. Emily is still annoying, and she's getting attacked by a vampire. Um, All new Third Watch, NBC Friday. Do you have anything to add on Blackout? You know, when I was watching that episode, I was watching it last night. It for some reason it made me think of this of this skit that have you ever heard of George Carlin? I've heard the name. I couldn't tell you anything yeah. about the person. <laughs> yeah, really, really, really famous, really, really famous comedian. Very, very okay. well-known comedian. Um, he did a he did a skit in one of his he did a routine in one of his HBO specials where he talked about you know we think we've evolved we think we've come a long way as a species but we're barely out we're barely out of the jungle and. It would only take one little thing for us to be thrown back into barbaric times. All you'd have to do is eliminate electricity. Hmm. And yeah. And when I was watching this, when I was watching this episode, now this episode, of course, this episode aired before he did that routine. But I mean, when watching that episode, I was like, you know what? That isn't too far fetched. What he said. Mm. Well, because he predicted it. I mean, the third watch predicted it. I should say. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> so you know, I mean, because what do you, what do you think? Do you think if electric do you think if electricity were completely eliminated, even for say a day or a week, Look, people I, would go absolutely crazy? I think yeah. I mean, I think it's a valid point because you've got to think about how much electric electricity controls our lives. I mean, it's the one that made me think a lot, a lot about that was. Um, People hate the remake of it. I actually really liked it. The Day the Earth Stood Still remake they did, what, in 2008 with Keanu Reeves and uh, Jennifer Connelly. I've never seen the original, so... But um, I really enjoyed that film, and kind of... The the point of that film was, like, the alien invasion, and spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, but they basically end the movie by saying, like, okay, Earth, we'll let you go, we'll let... You know, we won't take... <clears throat> excuse me, the aliens are sort of punishing Earth for um, wasting their planet with, like, you know, global warming. Like, you've got this amazing planet and you're destroying yourselves. Like, it's all your own fault. You don't deserve this planet. We're going to erase you so that a better life form can come here and make the most of it. Um, so they basically then it gets to the end of the movie and they're like, okay, we forgive you, but as punishment, we are making all technology and electricity and everything completely useless, so you have to start again. Um, and I kind of think, wow, like, imagine that. Imagine right now, if something right now, like, we got cancelled, like, we couldn't podcast, you couldn't drive, like, you couldn't, you know, just, you think about all these things that would just be cancelled out. How would, what would we do? Like, what would we do as a society? We wouldn't, we wouldn't know, we wouldn't know what to do. Well, you think about, yeah. I mean, I've had blackouts at my house before, because, like, the power goes out in your suburb, and you're like, fuck, I, what am I going to do? I can't go on my phone, I can't watch TV, like, holy fuck, like... What did people do before technology? You kind of do lose. I mean, right now, you and I are talking yeah. on the internet with power. People are listening to this through something involved power. Like, we are doing this right now with the use of... Exactly. We couldn't be doing this right now if it wasn't for electricity. So, I'd be out of the job. <laughs> Me too. And I don't do physical labor, so I ain't going to go, like, fucking dig holes and shit. <laughs> yeah. It's a very yeah, good point. It's I'll a great episode, you, though. though. Now, yeah. Be honest with me. I want you to be honest yeah, with me, Dad. Yeah, what but now, and now that now that we're on this, now that we're on the topic of of you know how that how that movie ends. I mean, just because we, oh man, we really opened up a can of worms here. You know, just because you know we as a species are like destroying our planet and all that, as the aliens say in that movie. You know, sometimes I think it wouldn't be a bad idea if. If that kind of thing happened and we were forced to start over, look at everybody. Either Darvel's that or we, start a movement. That, either that or we were wiped out. <laughs> Darvel's starting a movement. You know the FBI knocking on your door in a minute, mate. Um, <laughs> what's this, sir? We hear about you wanting to wipe out society. Come with me, please. Um, <laughs> nice American accent, Ben. Thank you. I've had practice. Um, anyway, black, it's a great episode. Blackout is just it. Yeah, yeah essentially, if you, if you don't know what it is, uh, basically New York has a blackout. And if you didn't guess that, um, so it's, uh, yeah. And it was based, I think it was based on the actual New York, New York blackout of the, what was that, in the 70s or 80s? But they had another, didn't they? I think there was another, like, early 2000s or late 90s, because I I remember in my lifetime there being news around New York having a blackout. Um, so we'll look that up, uh, anyway, but it's, it's very... I, I feel like it's a, just it's a great episode because it really is well done. So uh, anyway, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, I've just googled here mm-hmm. 1977. So you just said the 70s. Um, I swear there was another one. Oh, there was a okay. Also in contrast to the 1965 and 2003 blackout. Okay, so this is after this episode. 
Interesting. So Third Watch preempted a lot of things in the world then. <laughs> mm-hmm. There you go. All right. Uh, in the meantime, if you like us, because of course you do, you're listening to us and you're still at this point, even though we've dribbled on about some crap. Well, I have. Darvell hasn't. Darvell's very intelligent and well-spoken. I dribble about crap. I can't remember people's names. I'm going to call him, like, Frankie next episode. Um, <laughs> like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, uh, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, everywhere, anywhere. It's great. You should do it because we're amazing. Uh, but we'll be back next week, Blackout, the final episode of Season 3. We'll officially end that episode and we'll cross the halfway point of Third Watch. That is the halfway point of Third Watch, the end of Season 3. So get excited for mm-hmm. that. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to it. In the meantime, my name is Ben and this is, I think, the most appropriate line I'll ever say. What do I call you? <laughs> My name is Darvell, and that's what we can do to remember the ones we loved and lost. We can be the ones who remember. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.